so when I was uh, thinking of science heroes to talk about tonight, I was like, oh, Richard Feynman, he developed uh, quantum electrodynamics and did math and played bongos in a strip club. Um, <laughs> then I was like, oh, Carl Sagan, he got me really thinking about um, extraterrestrial life and, and, and helped get my head around um, the minuteness of us and the enormousness of the universe. Um, and he wore turtlenecks, which is pretty cool. Um, and then I was like, uh, Galileo Galilei. Um, he literally changed the way we view the universe and pioneered the scientific way of thinking and, like myself, had a rad beard. <laughs> and so I began to think long and hard about what makes these three um, such science heroes to me. Um, and why I have such an affinity for physicists and astronomers, um, despite um, being a, a zoologist and paleontologist. Um, and so I guess, um, in a nutshell, um, it's that these uh, three dealt with um, concepts that used to seem so abstract and um, totally incomprehensible to me. And that they, um, they took these concepts and um, communicated and popularized them um, you know, like uh, us biologists, we have it a bit easier when communicating. You know, you just talk about everything in the context of the three Fs, right? The three Fs being um, feeding, fighting, and reproducing. <laughs> I'm glad you got that one. Um, so, but, but the person I settled on um, is Galileo. Um, and this is because science um, would have taken a very different course if, if this person had not existed. Um, and studying him drastically changed my way of thinking and, and guided my little lost university self into a world of scientific passion. So we begin in Pisa, Italy, you know, the Leaning Tower and whatnot. Um, 15th of Feb, 1564. Um, Galilei was born to parents Vincenzo um, Galilei. Um, he was a famous lutenist. Um, the lute's like this little weird guitar thing. Um, he was a composer and a music theorist. And his mother was Giulia Amanati. And I couldn't find much information on her other than that she would, um, she would spy on Galileo to ascertain whether he was going to mass or to his girlfriends. So, yeah, young Galileo, you sliminx. Anyway, Galileo became an accomplished music, uh, musician <coughs> himself. <coughs> Sorry. And at a young age, he learned from his father um, a scepticism for established authority, uh, the value of quantified experimentation, and to use mathematics and theory for prediction. And these points are crucial to this story. So although Galileo seriously considered priesthood as a young man, he instead, at his father's urging, enrolled in a medical degree at the University of Pisa in 1580. The following year, while doing some study, he noticed a swinging chandelier and the air currents were blowing it around to blow in smaller and longer arcs. So using his heartbeat as a timer, it appeared to him that the chandelier took the same amount of time to swing back and forth, uh, no matter how far it was swinging. Um, so upon returning home, he set up an experiment. He created two pendulums of equal length, swung, swung one with a large arc and one with a small arc, and lo and behold, he found that they stayed timed together. Now, up to this point, Galileo had been deliberately deterred from mathematics because his parents 
believed that a physician, well, his parents um, said that a physician would earn a higher income than a mathematician. But, as serendipity would have it, Galileo um, accidentally um, attended a lecture on geometry. He fell in love with it and convinced his father into letting him study uh, mathematics and natural philosophy. Um, so he would spend the, the ensuing years studying, working as a tutor, and inventing things before being appointed to the chair of mathematics in Pisa in 1589, and then becoming a professor at the University of Padua in 1592. Um, okay, so Galileo is just keeping it real as a professor up until 1609, where he makes a telescope based only on some dodgy descriptions of a telescope made by some Dutch guy a year prior. He then goes on to make even more advanced versions of this telescope with about 30 times magnification. Um, so, and armed with his telescope, this is where he literally changes the world for everyone. So the following year, he publishes The Starry Messenger, which includes his first major observations with the telescope. In it, he describes mountains on the moon and identifies Jupiter's four brightest moons and he determines that they must be orbiting Jupiter. The next year, he observes the phases of Venus, which he concludes is direct evidence for its orbiting around the sun. So at this point, Galileo is pretty stoked because uh, he was a big fan of Copernicus um, and Copernicus's ideas about the universe. And now, for those uh, unfamiliar with Copernicus, um, he was the person who properly formulated the heliocentric model of the universe. Um, and this model um, says that the Earth is actually a planet and it, with the other planets, revolves around the Sun. Um, and Copernicus put forward a very elegant mathematical and theoretical argument for this model. But he lacked solid observational evidence. So Galileo was keen as because he had believed that he had found the evidence needed to corroborate this model. Um, the Catholic Church, however, did not share Galileo's excitement. And this is because at the time, the majority of the educated community uh, in the Catholic world subscribed to Aristotle's geocentric model. Um, the view that the Earth uh, was at the center of the universe and all of the heavenly bodies revolved around the Earth. And this was also convenient for the Catholic Church because this agreed with uh, what was um, interpreted in the Bible. So things began to heat up for Galileo, and in an effort to cool things down a bit, he decides uh, to write a letter to Madame Christina of Lorraine, the Grand, Tuchet, uh, Grand Duchess of Tuscany. Uh, knowing that her high status will help get the letter circulated widely, so in this, uh, it's actually an essay, it's super long, it's not at all a letter. Um, he was actually trying to clear his name of any malicious intent and, and show that he doesn't mean to undermine religious authority, but he explicitly states that the Earth revolves, uh, the Earth revolving around the Sun is a physical truth uh, and essentially says he won't believe the Earth is at the centre of the universe just because the Church says so, not when he has the power of science to refute this. Um, and I'll read you a good bit from this letter. Um, so this is in reference to his haters. <laughs> they seemed to forget that that the increase of known truths stimulates the investigation, establishment, and growth of the arts, not their diminution or destruction. Showing a greater fondness for their own opinions than for truth, they sought to deny and disprove the new things which, if they had cared to look for themselves, 
their own senses would have demonstrated to them. To this end, they hurled various charges and published numerous writings filled with vain arguments. And they made the grave mistake of sprinkling these passages taken from the Bible, which they had failed to understand properly and which were ill-suited to their purposes. And I was like, damn, Galileo, 400 years ago, calling out fake news like that. <laughs> anyway, the uh, somewhat arrogant tone uh, led the people he truly sought to persuade resent him for it, which was not ideal. Uh, and the next year, the Roman Inquisition found Galileo's ideas um, on heliocentrism to be foolish and absurd in philosophy and formally heretical since it explicitly contradicts in many places the sense of Holy Scripture. Uh, and Galileo was ordered not to hold, teach, or defend it in any way. So Galileo, with no better options, he chills out and stays away from the con uh, controversy for the next decade instead, doing work on the tides and comets and articulating his views on how science should be practised. Uh, that is until Pope Gregory dies and is succeeded by uh, Pope Urban, who's actually a big fan of Galileo and a pretty chill dude um, himself. And so the Pope uh, personally goes to Galileo and he says, he goes up to Galileo and he's like, Galileo, I want you to write a book. I want you to write a book giving the arguments for and against heliocentrism, but do not include your personal views or advocate for heliocentrism but I do want you to include my own views on the matter. Um, so Galileo's like, cool, cool, I'll do that. Um, and the resulting book was titled uh, Dialogue Concerning the Two Chief World Systems. And it's written as a dialogue between two people. Uh, Salviati, uh, who is an intelligent person um, who argues for heliocentrism, um, and he expresses some of Galileo's views directly um, in well-formulated arguments. And um, Simplicio, um, who can... <laughs> yeah. Who can be best described as uh, an intellectually inept fool, um, who is a dedicated follower of Aristotle's geocentric model and who clumsily um, presents traditional arguments against heliocentrism. Now, Galileo had not fulfilled the Pope's first request of not including his own views and advocating heliocentrism, but he did fulfill the other request of including the Pope's own views, but he put the words of the Pope straight into Simplicio's mouth, um, whose name, by the way, if you didn't already guess it, means simpleton in Italian. Um, so Galileo published this work in 1632, um, and it was very popular. However, um, understandably, the Pope was pretty mad. Um, and so he summons Galileo to Rome um, to be brought before the Inquisition, uh, where he was forced to say that he no longer believed that the Earth moves around the Sun, um, after which, being the mad dog that Galileo is, he uttered, and yet it moves. <laughs> Ultimately, he was found to be vehemently suspect of heresy, um, and sentenced to life under house arrest. Um, nevertheless, committed to science, he would dedicate the rest of his time under house arrest uh, to working on one of his finest works, Two New Sciences, 
which summarized his work on the new sciences, uh, now called Kinematics and Strength of Materials. This work led to Galileo being dubbed the father of modern physics. He would die in his home in 1642, aged 77. And I wonder if he knew that he catalyzed the transition from natural philosophy to modern science. In any case, I definitely know that he did not know uh, that he would inspire a silly kid like myself to always think like a scientist, experiment, seek new information, and not be afraid to change views in light of new information. Now, don't parts of this story sound pretty familiar? Though, you know, like the parents pushing money over curiosity, the uh, authority telling you what to believe, the people who would only believe what the fake news might have them believe. Uh, heck, even uh, ditching maths for your girlfriend, nothing's new. Uh, but but, the, um, but Galileo shows that with, with curiosity, um, a willingness to question and continually inquire around, about the world around us, and with a little bit of uh, a bit, a little bit of rebellion, even in adversity, uh, we can change the world. So um, I, I will leave uh, leave you with a quote from Galileo in a letter he wrote to Johannes Kepler, uh, and then a question. My dear Kepler, I wish that we might laugh at the remarkable stupidity of the common herd. What do you have to say about the principal philosophers of this academy who are filled with the stubbornness of an asp and do not want to look at either the planets, the moon, or the telescope, even though I have freely and deliberately offered them the opportunity a thousand times? Truly, just as the asp stops its ears, so do these philosophers shut their eyes to the light of truth. So my question is, will you be one of the common herd that Galileo and Kepler laughed at, or will you look at the telescope, the moon, or the planets? Thank you.